Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. Telling about what's going on locally, nationally or internationally. Or something a little different. It's the McCafe Coffee Break. This is very special. I'm joined in the studio with Leo from the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. Thank you so much for joining me for a chat. How are you? Thank you again for uh, inviting me in. It's good to be back in uh, Tamworth and speaking to uh, your listeners again. Yeah, no, fantastic to have you here. The Dolly Parton Imagination Library, Tamworth Regional Council, signed up to this very special program in 2019. If people are familiar with what exactly it is, Mm -hmm. tell us about the program. Look, it's a community-based early literacy intervention program really designed to bring the magic of a library into and books into the home. Yep. Um, the bottom line is it's about getting children excited about books mm. and learning and reading. But overall, it's about the development of, of literacy capability within the community. Um, unfortunately, uh, Australia, uh, New South Wales and indeed Tamworth is still going backwards in many respects, in terms of early childhood literacy mm. development, um, and so let me let me just share a couple of statistics that are just broadly just uh, known statistics mm. about that, but early literacy development. The fifty percent of language is learnt by the age of five, yeah, and ninety percent of brain development occurs by age five, yeah. Wow, that's a that's that's yeah. a lot. So if if things don't happen in that space, yeah, um, you know what we find is that. Um, Children who enter grade one are poor readers and 88% are likely to remain poor by the time they get to grade four. And, you know, we hear in the media yes. uh, often just what's happening at the moment when they're in NAPLAN scores and we're hearing about uh, children falling behind, yes. uh, particularly boys, nine, year, nine yeah. boys that were talking about how they're falling behind. Yeah. Um, but it's all about how much happens at the beginning. That's what this program's designed to do is to give kids a good start right from the beginning because if they don't, they'll disengage and then a whole bunch of trouble starts to happen in life. And I understand Dolly Parton, so her father was illiterate. So that's kind of how this program came about and why it's such a sort of important thing for Dolly Parton personally to push. Yeah, she started off just in her own own Severn County in Tennessee, wanted to do something for the local children uh, and... That was 25 years ago, and it's just grown ever since. There are now over 2 million children on the program around the world. And in in Tamworth, it's got a beautiful number of about 2,700, nearly 2,800 children on the program since it started. So they get a book each month up until the age of five. Yes. I imagine that's a lot of books. 60 books. They also get the the parents get a book right at the beginning at the time when the children are registered at the hospital when they're yep. born. Yep. So right from get-go, a book is in their, in their library. And I brought one along here, Blue Nose Rue, which is uh, the int- <laughs> uh, the uh, introduction book, Rene yeah. Tremel, um, beautiful book. Yeah, uh, it, it just they, they are high quality books, all yes. age appropriate. Yeah, but yes, the child will have a library of sixty books, and many times we hear that these are the first books that the family has ever seen yes. in the home for the children. Yeah, some of them may not be able to afford them. Yeah, uh, and certainly don't have that many coming in uh, to their home. How many councils around Australia are part of this program now? Well, Tamworth Council uh, was really the the um, I guess early the trendsetter, yeah, the yeah, early yeah. Uh, trendsetter here because yep. um, when when we started here, no other council wow. had taken on it at a whole of community approach. And what I mean by whole of community wow. approach yep. is 
that every child born in that community is eligible for program. Okay. Other other organisations uh, that we work with, other communities, whether they be Rotary Clubs or Mission Australia or Benevolent Society or yep. Anglicare, they may only be supporting a number of children that they have connection with mm. and that could be in the range of zero to f- five years old. Yes, yes. But the council decided let's do it from the beginning, every child. Wow. And as a consequence of what has happened here, now there are 27 councils, 26 in New South Wales alone wow. that have taken the same model on board and every child born in those LGAs. So your Narrabri next door and then going all the way up to Tenerfield, Moree Plains, um, over to um, um, Brawarana, uh, yep. Broken Hill, Hay, um, Cessnock, you know, these councils or these council areas now yes. have this program. So how's it all funded? Do the publishers give you books, uh, you know, as a bit of a, hey, uh, you know, kids read this, they'll like it, they'll buy more books. So it's kind of like a lost leader or? Well, we, we na- internationally, we have the relationship with Penguin Random House, which is the world's largest publisher. Yes. Uh, and they have uh, provided these books, which you'd go to the retail shop and find maybe for 12 15 $18. Yep. Um, they've provided us at substantially lower cost yep. because of the volume. I think we're yes. probably something like this year alone, uh, globally 24.9 million books wow. have been sent out. So, you know, there's there's a buying advantage yes. there. But they've supported us. Um, and so... Um, they they give us the books at, at, at a, a very low a low cost, uh, and then uh, from from the Australian perspective, we have a relationship with a fulfilment house called Beehive Industries that is a, 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 um, a social enterprise. Yes, and they have these elderly people who come in, generally living in fairly low economic conditions. They come in. Um, uh, uh, Beehive Industries actually feeds them. Yes. Uh, Give place bingo with them. Wow! They, they pack the books. Yep. Uh, and then they go into Australia Post and out the door. Yeah. Uh, so that that's how the the process works. But how it's funded um, is generally through either those community groups that I talked about. Local rotaries might fund it, or those other organisations. Yep. Councils fund it. Yes. Here the councils fund it. Local businesses fund it. Um, we have partnerships with many corporates, yes. some of the big names that I don't want to mention at the moment because some of them are in the media for the wrong reasons, only yeah. because of things like data breaches. Yes, uh, yes. But um, the, uh, the, their, their fund is behind. But here in Tamworth, for example, uh, it's funded roughly uh, half by business yeah. and half by council. Okay. Uh, and we also have a wonderful partnership. We have a philanthropic organization that has been working with us um, called the McLean Foundation. Yes. And they, um, uh, Paula McLean came here with me in uh, 2019. Uh, she has a, a great interest in early literacy development. She's done a lot of work in that space herself. And she said, why don't we fund the book that goes to the families at the hospital because yes. that wasn't part of the program. Okay. That's not how it's done normally around the world. Yep. Uh, the books just get uh, – the children get enrolled and about six or eight weeks later the, they get the, the books, books etc. in the post. So the book gets to – and the McLean Foundation funds that. So the funding models occur in very different ways yep. and shapes. Yeah. I guess uh, – 2019 has started here, probably too mm. early to see uh, sort of how that's reflected in numeracy statistics here. I imagine the program's been running a little longer in the United States. Is yeah. that fair for me to assume? It has been right uh, yeah. in the United States and, and Canada and uh, UK and, and Ireland. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, we are currently undertaking a PhD 
uh, in partnership with Macquarie University in Sydney, uh, to measure the impact of the Imagination Library. Yes. And we are driving that on the global basis for Dollywood, which is the foundation that yes. manages the whole program globally. Uh, and the the fascinating part about that is that there will be six peer-reviewed papers that will come out of that study and the first paper is a case study on Tamworth. Oh, wow. And and I can share some actual yeah. statistics yeah. that have come out of just really what uh, there's been a lot of um, uh, uh, information that we've gathered that talks about what the parental uh, changes have been in relation to time read with a uh, the child and time spent. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But we, we have been able to just measure uh, currently the three and four-year-olds that are on the program. Now, we haven't got any comparative data yet because we've got to wait for the next cohort of three and four-year-olds. But here's, here's what a couple of things that just came out. And this was only done in September. So these facts are just starting to come to light as we're analysing the data. And we came into Tamworth here and interviewed a lot of people uh, to get this data as yes. well. So it says 90, over 90% of children can retell and, and sequence, uh, the, retell the sequence of events in a story or an activity, which was a, not the case pre previously. 92% yep. of children can answer questions like who and what and when and why, etc. And 89% of children can connect sentences together. Wow, uh, okay. 95% of children can repeat new words they hear. 95 of children can follow directions uh, that involve two or more steps. Wow. Like clean your room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so some good statistics coming out yeah, about that. Yeah. That's remarkable. But here's, here's, here's the, big, the, the big statistic I wanted to share about um, what, what the impact is here in about time spent with children reading. Yes. Um, uh, the, the assumption is that, that people think that reading just starts to happen naturally for a child. It's not the case. It's a skill. Yes. It's something that has to be taught and learnt. And the best environment is when the child is with the carer or the parent to be able to have that lap time to bond and to read etc because the, this came out many years ago from the, uh, the children's reading foundation it said if a child reads one minute a day and and obviously the parents influence here or the carer's influence is important if they do that it's 180 minutes of a school year type environment yeah. they will have command of about 8,000 words but they'll be in the 10th lowest percentile. Yeah, right. If they spend five minutes each day, they, that's about 90, 900 minutes in yep. the school year, they'll have about 282,000 word wow. um, vocabulary that they'll be exposed to, which will put them in the 50th percentile. Yeah. But if they read for 20 minutes a day, mm -hmm. they will be exposed to 1.8 million words and be in the 90th percentile. Wow. And what we've found in this recent survey is the average time in Tamworth that parents through this program are reading with their child is 20 minutes. Wow. That is exciting. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's incredible. That's exciting. And we will see the outcome of this over the years. Yes. As this first cohort of five year is finished, they will move into school and then we'll be passing through. There will be evidence of this as we go through. Yes. But, you know, the long-term impact on this community will be maybe Five, ten, twenty yeah. years out, yeah, and that's the whole idea. Is it'll change the a whole generation, whole generation, yeah. yeah. Hey, Leo, thank you so much for coming in and having a chat with us about oh. this exciting program. And look, we're extremely proud to support it here at ninety two point nine and our sister station two TM. Thank you. Um, we love it. So, yeah. 
sensational. I'm a bookworm, so <laughs> getting more kids reading, it's so important. So, Leo, Wonderful. thank you so much. If I can just tell you, if anybody wants to support this program, um, it's simple to hop on the local council library um, website or even United Way, that's us, yes. United Way Australia, unitedway.com.au, donate, put in the Tenworth postcode 2340 and the funds will come here to support the children and put it in perspective it's it's $9 a month per child yeah so it's like two cups of coffee yeah. Sacrifice that a month. With inflation, it's nearly one cup of coffee now. (laughs) (laughs) Here's some of the well, slightly better bits from JB. Here's some of the well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. The best sandwich. It's kind of our unofficial best of Tamworth category. We don't have a trophy or a certificate or anything like that for it. We want to know best sandwich around the place. There is like a thousand votes for the North Tamworth Bears Rissol sandwich. I'm a bit disappointed I didn't catch this earlier. I'm going to have to wait a whole another football season to come around to try this North Tamworth Bears Rissol sandwich. If, if you're familiar with the North Tamworth Bears Rissol sandwich, maybe you actually make the North Tamworth Bears Rissol sandwiches. Um, love to hear from you. What makes them so good? 676 I mean, don't have to give away trade secrets. I just love to know what's so exceptional about them. Look, if you can't wait another football season, I don't blame you. Some of the other good sandwich places around the place, yum to go, getting you a fair few uh, votes there. Oxyvale Superette at well. Grab and Gobble is getting some uh, votes. And Fresh Appeal on Peel Street is getting some great nominations for best Sandwich. It's an unofficial category in our Best of Tamworth. The official final Best of Tamworth category, Best Steak. I'll reveal a winner for that in about half an hour's time. That is Imagine Dragons at 826 Believer at 92.9 JB here. Well done, Triple S Barbecue Barns, winner of Best Steak in our Best of Tamworth. Thanks to Tamworth Trophy Supplies, quality trophies and professional engraving. Well done to all the businesses who won in this year's Best of Tamworth. You can find all the winners on our Facebook page. We did an unofficial category over the weekend. We did Best Sandwich on Saturday for International Sandwich Day. And I heap an absolute massive amount of entries and nominations coming through for the North Tamworth Bears Rissol Sandwiches. 676-2299. I've got the, 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 the person on the phone, I believe, to give us the top secret stuff that goes into what makes the North Tamworth Bears Rissol Sandwich the success that it is. Uh, yeah, just uh, ringing up. Uh, someone wanted to uh, have a yarn about why North Tamworth's uh, Rissol Sandwiches were so good. That'd be me. What's your name? <laughs> Uh, Paul Boyce, mate, I'm the first grade coach out there. Ah, so you're the you're the the man behind the Rissol. Well, of course, behind the the football club as well, but behind the Rissols as well, I imagine. Oh, mate, I, I nominated, and then uh, yeah, obviously it just flowed on from there. Every, <laughs> sort of gave everyone a bit of a, a reminder on uh, who they should uh, nominate. I'm a little jealous because I'm going to have to wait another whole football season now before I can try these amazing North Tamworth Bears. Uh, Rissol sandwiches. So explain it to us. What's in them? Obviously, Rissols, bread, s- other stuff? Mate, they, they just keep it uh, simple. very simple. It's uh, a Rissol from Penrose Meat, so really high-quality Rissol. Uh, nice gravy, bit of onion uh, in some, some white bread, mate. Uh, cool. Every home game, I'm, uh, it's, a, it's a ritual for, for myself and a lot of the players and probably a big part of our success, I suppose. I was about to say that. Um, yeah, <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, mate, you're going to have to come to a home game and, uh, and try one. They're, they're very, very good. I definitely will have to, that's for sure. When does the season get back underway again? Uh, season doesn't start till till April, but yeah. I'm sure there's probably going to be a few trial games. So we'll uh, we'll send an invite out, and you can uh, yeah come and come and test one out. I'll definitely definitely have to try them. I mean, you've had a, a stunning uh, stunning uh, couple of years there at the North Tamworth Bears. So I think it must be the the Rissol sandwiches is your secret success story. I think. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I um, like I said, it's a it's a bit of a uh, ritual f- of mine, but. Um, yeah, I, pr- I probably probably should lay off them a bit, but uh, they're so good, I, I, I can't help myself. <laughs> this is the best of JB for breakfast. Only on 92.9. Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. That is Jet at 8.46 at 92.9. JB for breakfast. Thanks to Nathan and all the team at Country Autos. GWM Havel. Morning, Die. How are you? Morning, JB. Great. How are you? Very good. How was your weekend? It was a good weekend. Get up to much? Oh, duck to Sydney. Oh, yes. It wasn't a quick trip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, duck to Sydney. Uh, Tried to conquer the Christmas shopping. Unfortunately, I do not have a success story oh, to okay. share. No. You felt so confident going I into it was. on Friday. I was prep talking yeah, and everything. You were. Yeah, no. no. I should have kept uh, my mouth closed. <laughs> <laughs> you jinxed yourself. I did. Anyway. Hey, well done to all our winners in our Best of Tamworth. Uh, Triple S Barbecue Buns for the third year in a row, winner oh, well of done. Best Steaks. Yeah, good job. So well done, campgrounds, best coffee, Duncow and Cowboys, best sporting team, kids own best kids thing to do, Westdale Meats, best butcher, best burgers to burger balls, Manila Bakery for best pie, Paradise Tourist Park for best customer service, Glamour Empire for best hairstylist, JJ's Pizza and Kebabs for best pizza, and our unofficial uh, best of Tamworth, Winner for best sandwich. We did uh-huh. this on Saturday yeah. for International Sandwich Day. Oh, nice. And um, Which I have a feeling it might have something to do with Lord's Sandwich. I think that they picked that day. Lord. Lord's Lord Sandwich. Okay. He was an old Earl. Earl. Oh, sorry, it wasn't a Lord. It was an Earl. Earl. Got to get your right titles Earl correct, sa- Jamie. Lord sounded better than Earl, an Earl Sandwich. Earl, anyway. Earl Sandwich. Yeah, right. Was what the sandwich was named after. Oh. So he was the well, Earl of the town of Sandwich. <laughs> And um, this? you're thinking that this story sounds fabrica- fabricated, <laughs> made all this but up. it is 100% true. It's JB's history lesson on the Earl of Sandwich, the town of Sandwich, and the invention of Sandwich named after the no Earl of Sandwich. Way, no way. In the town of Sandwich in the UK, they have the Sandwich Festival every year there. <laughs> Of course so, they do. Which I think is in the middle of winter. Oh, uh, in the, sorry, no. in the middle of summer, oh. our winter. They okay. can't have it now. Right. Because the weather's too crap in the UK. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they have it when the weather's nice. Well, that would make sense. So, um, but uh, anyway, back to best sandwich in our <laughs> neck of the woods. <laughs> yes. Not in Sandwich, UK. <laughs> Um, it is uh, the the North Tamworth Bears Rissol Sandwich. Rissol Sandwich won it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's well. We can only have that during what footy season? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Aww. yeah, yeah. Oh, we Paul, missed it. Paul from the North Tamworth Bears rang oh, me before Paul. to give me some secrets of the Rissol sandwich. Oh, did he? Wasn't many secrets. <laughs> Not now. So he kept <laughs> must work for the uh, secret service because he's very tight lipped. 
But um, he, he did reveal that he thinks that it's a reason why the North Tamworth Bears have been so successful last couple of seasons oh, is the Rissol sandwich, sandwich that's powering them on. Right, okay. So, um, well, Paul, a heads up when the season starts, thanks. We'll come and try I, them. I think we'll all be there. <laughs> I did yeah. forget to ask you what's the difference between the Rissol sandwich and the Rissol burger. Oh, because it does sound like a burger, doesn't it? it does but it sound like assures a me it's in simple white bread. Okay. So I think that thus is a sandwich. Sandwich. Okay. Well, yeah, that's what would make it a sandwich. That's what the Earl of Sandwich mm. would think as well if we asked him. <laughs> He'll go, Yes, well, I say, <laughs> good sir. <laughs> The look on my face is, I'm interested, but is this true? (laughs) I don't know. Google it when you get into work. (laughs) Okay, And you'll go, ah, yes. JV's correct again. It wasn't a tall story from JV. (laughs) Might have been some stretches of truth in there. (laughs) A little embellishment. Here or there, never would have said. Exactly, that's right. (laughs) Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. Die. Good morning, JB. That was a little um, flight attendant, <laughs> tin-ni-ni, wasn't or, or it? morning show host. Yeah, or, little or bit. game show host is what I was going with that. <laughs> game Good show morning. Host. Hey, yes. come on <laughs> down. Hey, all right. Hey, um... How are you? Great, you? Yeah, very well. You were just saying off air before that, you know, at this time of year, just and I think I think you're right, just from yeah. around the office, no one feels like doing anything. Just really flat. <laughs> <Just laughs> Maybe I was a bit more blunt just... with it than you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no like, one, no well, one wants no. to talk to anyone no or do anything. <laughs> no one that... wants to interact. Yeah. No one wants to talk even passing in the hallway. Yeah. We're all ready to lay down and have a bit of a nap in the middle of the day. Do you think it's because the last couple of years we've been in this constant flux of socialising, not being able to socialise, socialise, not socialise, that now it's exhausting? Yeah, when you've got do to you do think? it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, you know, in and out of lockdowns, in and out of being able to do this, not being able to do that, yeah. you know. How do we do it now? Like, do even we if you know? weren't in lockdown, there were still a lot of people who were like, you know what, I could go to that, but I really don't want to because I don't want to get sick, so yeah. I'm not going to go. Yes. And now that you kind of don't have too much of an excuse, it just feels yeah, exhausting to do it. Yeah, I think it is a little bit of that. I mean, Christmas that, is always a, a zappy of the time of the year anyway, yeah. really. We're coming down to sort of, you know, the break time of the year. Yeah. You know, it's been a big year. Yeah. You know, all that stuff yeah. combined. I've of, of all those things, I'm sure. But it, yeah. yeah, I just, yeah, because we were talking about this yesterday. Mm. We were talking about normally being quite social and wanting yeah. to get together and missing, yeah. you know, mates and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, no, it's just such an effort. Everything's an effort right now. You're usually a big Christmas shopper and you didn't even want to do that over no the weekend. You went way. all the way to Shittany. I did. And you didn't even come back with no, anything. Cause I didn't. And I got a little mad at the shops because I was like, this is hopeless. I don't enjoy it. I really don't enjoy it right now. It's really zappy though. I went down to the Parramatta Westfield for the first time ever about three weeks ago when I was off and you were filling in for me. Yeah. And wish I hadn't have gone there. I was like, I was looking at it online. I'd never been there before. And I'm like, there's five stories of shopping. Yeah. This is incredible. Every single, every shop I can think of. Everything you could need. Plus one I've never, ones I've never even heard of before, all (laughs) under one roof. This is incredible. I know. And you think, great. Like, I've got a list. I'll just go get it done. It'll be sorted. I'm all organized. And it was noisy. 
there yeah. was fluoro lining everywhere. There were people who walked too bloody slow, stuck in front of you. There was trolleys everywhere. <laughs> One of the floors Cramps. had a, was a construction site, so oh, the elevators no. are like weren't working, and yeah. they were crammed into tiny little passageways to get through the shop. It was yeah. horrible. <laughs> Horrible. It was horrible. I said it to is the, horrible. I said to my partner midway through it, who the hell wanted to go here? She reminded me it was me, but I went, I don't like this <laughs> Did now. I say that? Let's go. <laughs> is this my idea? I know how you feel. I lasted yeah. about an hour in there and left empty handed yeah. and just frustrated and annoyed and a t- an eleven dollar parking fee to get out of there as well. <laughs> just <laughs> to add to it. Yeah, the cherry thank on the you top. Very much for coming. Yeah. <laughs> You've ruined my mood and you charged me to and get out I of the place. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's cruel. It's all, soul crushing. We all know what the Eagles based Hotel California are now, don't they? You can yes. check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. It was parking meters. That's what they were talking about. Parking gates. Any shopping center car park anywhere. Oh, I know. I know. Well, there's lots of local markets coming up. Yeah. I'll start again at those. <laughs> yes. I'll stay away from the big shopping center. That's it, exactly. Out in the moment. open air. At least at those little <laughs> local markets and things like that. And the big there's, local markets is where you just have to put up with people who walk too slow. That's right. But there's usually plenty of room to go around, like an overtaking lane. Yeah. It's fine. I'm going to tell myself it's fine. We'll start again. We need to go medita- <laughs> meditate in the boardroom yeah. now, I think. Yes. <laughs> a bit of so, zen action. A bit of zen now, I think. It was wise. Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. And I'm joined on the line with Gary Jubilant. He's one of Australia's most celebrated homicide detectives. He's led investigation to the, the disappearance of William Tyrrell and also the serial killings of uh, the three Aboriginal children in Bowerville and so many more cases as well. And he's coming to Tamworth for his show on the 12th of November at the Tamworth Town Hall, I Catch Killers Live. And he joins me for a chat this morning. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Gary. How are you? Very good, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. This uh, I Catch Killers, uh, originally a book, and now you're doing the uh, the touring show. It uh, goes basically into your life as a detective, about three decades in the uh, in the police force. It's not often a life that you hear firsthand what it's like being the police force. I mean, there's a thousand books about true crime and everything like that, but the actual day-to-day being a detective and, you know, what goes on in the interview room, going out there investigating the crimes. There's not a lot of that published material. Is that kind of the purpose behind writing the book initially, was it, Gary? Writing the book, when I left the left the uh, police and uh, I was approached to write a book, and I, I'd been approached before, and I hadn't really thought about uh, going down that path. And then uh, I thought about, uh, you know, the interest that was in um, the criminal investigation and uh, the, the type of uh, crimes that I investigated, investigating homicides for 25 years, uh, I decided to write a book and there was a lot of interest in the book and it was a very personal account, the book. It was a, a you could uh, title it True Crime, but it's also somewhat of a memoir, um, how crimes impacted on me. More importantly, and it's not certainly not glorifying crime, is uh, the impact it has on victims. And so people can understand a little bit about the world of crime and, and what detectives actually do when we get up and go to work each morning. What got you into the police force initially, Gary, all those, all those years ago? Was, was it a family or did you watch police shows yourself or was it sort of also accidental? 
It was very much accidental. I did watch police shows, and I, I still remember Homicide, which is a very, very old uh, TV yes. series, but <laughs> with the doors shutting, all four of them getting out of the police car at the same time. But uh, I, uh, I didn't have any great desire to be a police officer. It wasn't something that ran in the family, and uh, I was working in the building industry, and I, I saw two police chasing a bad guy down the street one day when I was having lunch, and I thought, that looks like fun. And so that's the reason I actually joined the police. I applied the next day. So it wasn't any noble reason why I joined the police, but the, it felt like a glove when I, I started the police academy. It was something that I enjoyed and uh, was very rewarding. And, uh, yeah, it sort of changed my outlook. It changed me as a person, no doubt. But uh, it's been an interesting career, that's for sure. I'm sure it has. I mean, you've you've tackled some really, really high-profile cases in the history of Australian crime of course, Bowerville, the William uh, Tyrrell investigation. Is there any uh, maybe that has um, uh, that that you kind of think back on and remember that maybe don't have the infancy of those other ones? Look, all the uh, all the crimes that you investigate uh, leaves an impression. The ones that you've identified, they're ones that I I worked for a long time. So obviously, you become further embedded in the in the community, the victims and every, everything else. But I can say that every homicide you go to does leave uh, leave an impression. And uh, I've said it takes a little bit out of you, but it also adds a little bit because uh, you do learn a lot from uh, the way people react in times of uh, grief and uh, under pressure. And so, yeah, they stick with you. It, it, uh, I won't say that they haunt me, Jared. Mm. Um yeah. Sometimes I think back and I'm, I'm sad about what I've seen and uh, yeah. what's occurred with the victims. But uh, as a homicide detective, you had a role to fulfil. And uh, so the way that I dealt with the, the grief that you were confronting on a daily basis was just make sure I did my job as best as, as best I could. It's obviously in your blood. I mean, that many years in the, uh, the police force. Um, how many hours goes into some of these cases, how much work goes into them? I mean, you see the police shows and it, se- it seems like they basically live at the police station. Is that not too far off the truth or is that a bit of a stretch? No, it's not uh, too far from the truth for dedicated detectives. And look, I, I, I was one, but there was plenty that yeah. uh, worked just as hard and were probably a little bit smarter than me as well. But uh, I do recall as ridiculous as as this sounds, sleeping under the desk quite a few nights where you just haven't got time to go home and you, you put your head down and uh, grab an hour or two sleep and then uh, get back up and get into it because homicide investigation is very dynamic. Like, mm. it's not, there's not a structure. It's not a nine-to-five job. And uh, if you've got a breakthrough, you've got to seize that moment and uh, run with it. And so that takes you into some ridiculous hours. I'm not sure how um, HR issues would uh, be going with some of the hours that we actually worked, where you work around the clock for you know well over 24 hours, but that that is the nature of the work. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it's all consuming, I guess. And as you said, when you get something, you just need to you need to go with it. Is that it? Also, mentally, is so hard to shut down as well. well most definitely, I, I think, and there, there's different areas of policing, but when you're investigating someone's murder, um, you've, you've got to invest. And so you, you do bring it home and you pay the price for that in uh, various ways, but you can't switch off. There's not a, when I'm on a case or when I was on a case, you tr- you try to find your downtime. And uh, I was lucky that I, I, I could 
step away from it. But uh, invariably, you're, um, you're you're thinking about the case and uh, what could be done or, or should be done. So there's plenty going on. I'm having a chat with former New South Wales Police Detective Gary Jubilin, who's going to be speaking tomorrow night at the Tamworth Town Hall. I'm going to continue having a chat with Gary next. Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week. JB here this morning, catching up with Gary Jubilin, the former New South Wales police detective, over 30 years in the force and worked on some very high-profile cases, including the William Tyrrell case. Is one of the frustrating aspects of the job when you've got a really good hunch, like a 99% certainty that whoever it is that you're interviewing did the crime and they're saying no and no and no and no and no in the interview room. That's got to be... I, I see that sometimes on the on the true crime TV shows, and I get frustrated watching that as a viewer. I imagine that is as well as a detective? Most definitely, but you're the, the trick in, in being a, what I consider a good detective, and I was shown this um, yeah, early in my career, you never allow the person you're interviewing to see your frustration. Yeah. So... You show your frustration and that person there because it's very intense in an interview room. So it's everyone's hyper alert. If you show just a smidgen of frustration, that person will know that they're getting under your skin. So I think, you know, on the out, out on the surface, I wasn't showing that frustration. But yeah, of course it is frustrating. But, uh, you know, our job as uh, homicide detectives or as police was to gather the evidence and, uh, you know, hopefully get the uh, get the conviction if the evidence uh, weighs up. But uh, there were some uh, cases that were particularly frustrating and, uh, yeah, it's hard breaking down a person that hasn't got a conscience in the first place. And that's, uh, you know, if, if I had done something wrong and I was being questioned consistently, you know, I'd, I'd tend to show something. But uh, some people are just... They've got no, um, you know, got no integrity, and can just sit there and lie to your face. But you become accustomed to that as a police officer. Like, there's very few crimes. The first time I've asked someone, "Did you do this?" Did they say yes? <laughs> so you, you know, people are going to lie to you to start with, and then you've got to uh, unravel those lies. Of course, the William Tyrrell case is ongoing as well. But are there any other cases that you just wish you'd got that breakthrough and you'd been able to? Um to solve them, or you're pretty happy with your uh, your, your track record? Look, I'm happy with my track record. I, I've, you know, and when I say my track record, you work as part yes. of the team, of course. Yeah. But there are those ones that sort of niggle you, and uh, the William Tyrrell one, and, uh, you know, I don't shy away from it. I, I left the police because of that investigation in uh, controversial circumstances when I was charged for recording a person I was speaking to about that on the telephone. But... With the William Tyrrell matter, I have no regrets for what I did. I, I led the investigation for four years, took it over five months after William disappeared. And, uh, you know, you make a commitment to the family so that you will do everything humanly possible to find out what's what's happened to their loved one. And, uh, you know, that's what I was doing with the uh, William Tyrrell case. The Barrival case that you, you mentioned in the introduction, the three Aboriginal children that were murdered, still, to this day, they haven't got justice. The only thing that uh, I, I think that uh, I helped with the families is showing that uh, yeah, people do care about the murder of their three children because that didn't appear to be the case when they were first murdered. There was a lot of issues going on. So all the cases uh, stick with you. In, in regards to Tamworth, yeah, for, towards the end of my career, one of the, the 
last murders I did was a particularly terrible uh, crime in uh, Tamworth as uh, the murder of uh, Tia Luckwell, a, a young lady, yes. murdered. And uh, that sort of sticks with me. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. You, you just you get recollections, and towns tend to tend to remind you of uh, of the crimes. You did retire from the police force in 2019. Um, what obviously you're doing this stage show, you've written the book as well. But I imagine from chatting to you now, and you know, we spoke about how consuming the job is, must be hard to to switch off and you know really enjoy retirement. I imagine. Yeah, well, I uh, <laughs> I, I I hardly call what I'm doing retiring. I, yes. I, I feel like I'm working now. That might be my failings rather than uh, you know circumstances. But yeah. doing a lot, and with this stage show, I was really reluctant to. Um, when it was first put to me about doing a stage show, and then I, I'm doing it with a, a good friend of mine, uh, Rob Carlton, who's an actor, and uh, he, I, I enjoyed the, the national tour that uh, we did initially, and uh, I was very nervous. I'll tell you that. Before yeah. there's one thing, uh, you know, chasing killers for a living. It's another thing, standing on a stage and uh, performing. But uh, we really, what we're doing with the show is is showing the emotion. It's not glorifying crime. It's, it's trying to understand crime. And I, I think people that come along to the show, you know, it'll be a full range of emotions. They'll be laughing at some things, crying at other things. Uh, it's powerful. But that's the world that I knew when I was a homicide detective. It was, um, yeah, there were ups and downs yeah. and uh, the highs and lows. Can you watch true crime drama do you have much interest in that kind of stuff or after working for it as long as you have don't don't follow it no i still can some shows it's not religiously like i don't go okay crime show and and sometimes (laughs) sometimes i know when i was at work the worst thing i could do is sit down and watch a crime show because it just drags you back into it but it is a fascinating thing and I, i think that's why most people are uh are interested in true crime, but occasionally I sit down and uh, and watch a, a good true crime show and uh, enjoy it. I imagine the CSIs and stuff like that make it look so much easier, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I wish we, I wish yes. we could get the breakthroughs and wrap, wrap up. But, you know, some sometimes you do. You, you said how long do investigations take, and uh, sometimes we call we call them when I was in the in the police, like the smoking gun. Uh, situations where it's fairly obvious yeah. from the moment you turn up at the crime scene what what's happened there, so they can be resolved in that uh, yeah short period of time. But uh, most homicide investigations take a little bit longer than that, and you, you get uh, you know false leads. You follow those leads, and you get excited, then you get disappointed, and then eventually you get that uh, gotcha moment, and um, uh, things start to fall in place. I love it. Hey, Gary, looking forward to seeing you at the Tamworth Town Hall Saturday, the 12th of November. All the details are on our website, otherwise at uh, entertainmentvenues.com.au. Gary, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Jared. Nice to see you. Here's some of the, well, slightly better bits from JB during the week.